All right, good morning, everyone. Right. Yan. So, again, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ever Nation Bahrain. Right? Uh, can we greet, so why don't we take this time no, to greet those people who are sitting, that, ne sitting next to us? So I can see some familiar faces. Right? So, good morning, everyone. I'll say, so be, uh, tell that person sitting next to you a wonderful morning and welcome to Ever Nation Bahrain. Yes, okay. Go ahead, greet, greet each other. No, greet. All right, right. So, yeah, good morning, everyone. And uh, let me just welcome you once again to Every Nation. Every Nation exists to honor God and make disciples. We honor God by establishing church, planting churches, campus ministries, and going to different nations to preach the gospel. Yeah. So, we have just started a series last week called Heart Truth. And how many among you were here last week? Right? So, how many among you were blessed last week when you listened to, and look at the meaning of what true love is? Yes. If you were blessed, shout amen. amen. Yeah. So, last week, no, we had this uh, wonderful preaching and we were reminded of what true or real love is. Now, let me just have a little bit of quick review. You know, Let's ask ourselves this question. In our world today, why do we need to know the truth? Why do we need to know the truth? Our series is entitled Heart Truth. And getting to the heart of the matter. But the question here is, why do we need to know the truth? Now, in our world today, right? In our world today, the world would say that the truth can be relative. No? So when we say relative, anything can be the truth. Some would say that the world will tell us that whatever is believed by the majority becomes the truth. So when people, when groups of people are believing on a certain fact or maybe a certain false idea, okay, people will tend to accept that it is true. Or sometimes truth is believed to be something that, that is convenient or is pleasing to our ears, right? Now, today, this morning, we will continue on talking about hard truths. Let me say that again. Hard truths. How many among you are ready to get offended this morning? Right? Yes. Because when we talk about truth, when we talk about truth, truth can be offensive sometimes. That means it could hurt us. But the truth needs to hurt us. Why? The reason behind that is because we need to be snatched from the fire. So, isn't it written in Jude? Right? And it is also mentioned in Hosea, okay? Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, that we are torn by God that He may heal us. Yes, truth can be offensive. Truth should not be watered down. Yeah? Truth should not be watered down. Truth shall be said for what it is. Now, this morning, okay, if last week, so if last week, right, we talked about what real love is, and this morning, we will talk about, okay, what real marriage is about. Now, today, this morning, okay, our goal is for each and everyone here in this church, okay, as followers of Christ, or have that understanding of what true love is, of what true marriage is, that we may be able to pursue 
unselfish relationships, and resilient marriages. Now, since I was talking about marriage, and if you notice, I didn't show any picture. Right? You notice that? There's no picture. Right? You know why? Because this morning, for the very first time, and I'm so excited about this, that picture will come to life. Right? Since we'll be talking about real marriages, let me welcome on stage my one and only beloved wife, hey, Mika Jane. Right? So welcome. And so to be honest, no, at first we were really nervous. We asked a couple of people to pray for us. No, not just one, but many people. Many people. Right? Many people prayed for us. Show natin to. Hey, welcome to our talk show. Show Yeah. So at first we were really nervous. Uh, we were really nervous on preaching. And we really felt that why us? Okay, why why the both of us talking about real marriage? Now we were married for how many years? One year and one year five and months. five months. Thanks and we God. felt that uh, one year and five months. <laughs> and we're really growing. Growing. Right? So we felt that why? No, why of all couples, why us? And we were reminded yeah. by uh our Ninong. Now what did our Ninong tell us? That doesn't take like twenty years or more to understand the truth about the real marriage. Yes, yeah, so what's important really is it's not the number of years that you've been in marriage that truly counts, but it is the truth of the Word of God. Okay? The hard truth of the Word of God that we'll be talking about this morning. Now, mm-hmm. so let me just introduce ourselves. As I've said, I'm Anthony and my wife Mimi. So let's, let's, get, to, let's, let's get to tell them uh, who we are. No? So we, we're actually classmates back in college, right? So we purposely didn't place pictures there because someone's recording. So <laughs> so yeah. So we're uh, and we actually dreamt of a wedding. No. Uh, 2 years back in 2020. So it looks like this, right? Yeah. So this actually is actually the this actually from Farm Hills love this photo. Really? Yeah, this actually from that we 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 uh, planned, okay, a garden wedding in Tagaytay. So if you're a Filipino, and you heard of Tagaytay, no? What's the first thing that you will come into here? Aside from Bulalo. And uh, so... Malamig. So it's cold English, no? English tayo. <laughs> English tayo. Oh, so, sorry. So it's cold, right? So the, web, the climate's different, right? So we dreamt of a wonderful garden wedding such as this. And this is actually the uh, same venue, no? This is actually the venue of our marriage. So we thought of it being grand. We thought of it being... Uh, Artista, artista-like. So we thought of it being IG. real. IG, <laughs> no? Instagram-like, Instagrammable kind of wedding. So tell them what happened um, no, in, our, in our preparations. Yeah, um, we tried to prepare like for almost two years. <laughs> uh, but um, first, uh, the... 20, Taal. 2019, yes. Yes, so, Taal volcano erupted. So, so those luscious gardens, <laughs> as you can see in the photo, right? It's filled with luscious... Uh, trees, uh, all of those turn into gray, okay? ash gray because of the tal eruption. So can you just imagine that? No? So we were dreaming of a wonderful garden wedding and then boom. Ash, ash garden. It became a, yeah, a desolate place, yeah. right? That's one. And then another and then thing happened was they were, there, if you remember, love, there were stricter protocols between Qatar and Bahrain because she was back yes. in... 
From Qatar. Yeah, she's she is actually residing in Qatar back then, and then. There is a blockage. Yeah, the, yeah. There's a blockage because of their, you know, their family feud. <laughs> so yes. So and then, uh, of course, what happened next was uh, there was a threat, no, for World War Three. If you remember, there was uh, an escalating issue with Trump and uh, the rest of the Middle East back then. So it was really a wonderful plan of a marriage that slowly circled down the drain, right? So. And uh, to be honest, what did you feel when that happened? I was discouraged because um, I I am planning to resign so and get the um, what do you call that the the money from uh, the, the resignation money yeah, from resignation yes. money so that I can pay for the wedding and then pandemic and everything so it's not possible to yeah, so, go home. Yeah, I forgot that after, after the threats of war, what happened next was there was a pandemic. Yes. So flights were canceled. All of our plans of being together, all of our plans of going back home in yeah. the Philippines. Now that's, there is a hard check. Yeah, it's actually, a it's actually 2020. Eh? No? So it's the, the boom of the pandemic back then. So every opportunity of being together was actually closed by God. So it was really devastating. Right, it was devastating for us. But, you know, the hard truth, you know, the hard truth behind that is this. God saved us from the common pit of focusing on the grandeur of the wedding. You know, that's, that's actually our realization. We've spent lots. Lots. <laughs> and we actually paid. You know, we actually 80% paid all the suppliers. Right? And when we heard that there's a blockage on the airport, right? Everything really went down the drain. And we felt that God actually saved us from that, that pit, that, that pit of the grandeur of weddings. And yet, the two of us, to be honest, we actually missed the whole point of our marriage. God saved us from that. Because imagine if we were married like two years back and the other guy, Antonio, was existing. So... Back then, I'm a person who really has no... I'm, I'm apathetic. I really don't care about everybody. Okay? But God saved us from being married to each other with that kind of form. right? So God saved us from that horrific relationship. Right? Do you agree? Yes. I believe that uh, God had a better plan for us. So what happened was, instead of um, going back to the Philippines... Uh, I went straight to Bahrain, and that's so amazing because uh, because of the pandemic, there should be um, no flights. Yeah, no flights, lockdowns, and everything. But for a short amount of time, there's an opening. So that's so amazing because we were able to take a flight, and then I came here and, and I have a job. All the favor of God was there. Um, before I was not really uh, think uh, thinking that God is. Like, with me, I mean, I, when I was still single, I was thinking, like, um, how, when, when will I experience all the, the things that all the married, soon-to-be-married couples are experiencing? It's not like I'm engaged or anything. Mm -hmm. But when I came here, I experienced the goodness of God, and I experienced the favor of God. Then I realized that, yes, I believe that when it is the plan of God, it will be perfect. And on that day that she was actually about to take a flight in, from Oman, 
that was also the day that Bahrain and Qatar became friends once again. They reconciled. So it was really the timing of God that was more, that was more important, that is important for our relationship. And that's our, actually our question for this morning. Now, what are those thinking or notions that we have that exist in our minds right now on the picture of what marriage life is? Right? Because the world will tell us, the world will feed us with a different kind of image of what marriage is. And just recently, what just recently we of course we're familiar with these two people, right? So uh, their really their relationship, I'm familiar. I'm a, these are actually my group mates in the back. You know, every one of us are familiar with these two, right? So Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, their marriage, their strained marriage, was actually publicized. Hey, there, the, there were it was messy, right? Their relationship was messy. How many among you were? watching the coverage of their relation, of their trials right so it became a fanfare in social media right everyone is actually devouring okay their relationship as every single secret of the husband and wife were exposed on the trial and this is the kind of tra- of traumatic experience that media okay media and entertainment and the world is giving us okay that a marriage, okay, that a marriage is what? Self-centered. And a marriage is self-consuming. But the question for us this morning is that, is this the true picture of what real marriage is? Right? So this morning, okay, our objective is for us to really find out, okay, the true meaning of real marriage. That's redundant, the true meaning of real marriage. But yeah, so we're going to look at what real marriage is about. Right? Are you excited? You should be. Got it. No, we're going to look at what the definition of what real marriage is, right? Are you excited now? Yes. Now, to be honest, when we're preparing for this preaching, we really felt we repented. <laughs> no, we repented. Yeah, we, we told, when we were preparing for this preaching, our first, the the word really ministered to us, and our first reaction to it was we repented for all the, <laughs> for all the things that we have done no, so far. All throughout the preparation for this message, we were like, oh. I'm so sorry. Oh, we're, we're just really <laughs> apologizing to each <laughs> other and to God. So yeah, so yeah, so too much of the introduction. Now let's go to let's head to our text for this morning. Our text is from Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen to twenty-five. Now let's head to let's head to that uh, scripture. And for the reverence of the word, let's all stand up, right? So yeah, Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen to twenty-five. Right. So love, can you do the honors? Then the Lord God said in Genesis 2, 18 to 25, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
She shall, call, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Right, so let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for this word. Lord, we pray that your truth will be unraveled as we study, as we dive into your message this morning. Lord, I pray for each and every one here. May you, they're single. May there be um, a waiting to get married, Lord, or they're married couples. Lord, we pray that we'll open our hearts, Lord. That we will be able to really receive your truth, to accept it, and to live it out. And Lord, no matter how offensive your truth is, Lord, we will be humbled down, Lord Jesus, and our only response is obedience, Lord Jesus in our humble hearts, really worshiping you. Lord, we just want to thank you for this time and this opportunity, this uh, dream come true to really share the stage with my wife as we continue to leave out, Lord, in this marriage its true purpose, and that is to glorify you. Lord, we thank you. Uh, we honor you. This we ask in your mighty name. Amen. All right, so let's all sit down, right? So uh, this, this preaching will be very short. No? Like one hour? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. So this will be very short. We only have two points. We have two points for this, uh, for this preaching. So a little bit of context before we dive into those two points. So we, our, our text for this morning is from Genesis. No? Genesis. So Genesis is, of course, the first book in the Bible. Amazing, right? No? Everyone knows that, right? Yes, of course. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And of course, we know... Okay, that Genesis was written by Moses through God's revelation. Now, so in our text, in this portion, in this episode, okay, from our from the from Genesis, we see that God, okay, God is in the middle of creating, right? Creating th creating things and beings, and God actually okay, created Eve out of Adam's ribs. Now that's the significant, significant event. Okay, that happened in this text, right? So, uh, that's it for our context. It's very short, no? So, let's head to our first point, okay? Let's, uh, let's head to our first point for this morning. Our first point for this morning is, okay, in answering the question of what real marriage is, okay, first point is that marriage is designed by God. Okay? Marriage is designed by God. No, so in, in verse 18, let's all go to, Genesis verse, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Let me read that for you. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Ma, isn't it that a wonderful concern from God? No, he was actually in the midst of creation, in the midst of his magnanimity and his omnipotence. Wow. Oh, trademark, huh? magnanimity. So in, in, in this in, in his midst of his in, in the midst of God's omnipotence, he actually thought of the well-being of his creation. Now he thought, diba, na he thought na it's not good for man should to be alone. Okay? And then the next part there is he, he, he said that I will make him a helper fit for him. Diba? I will make him a helper. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now from the very beginning itself, God was thinking of Adam's welfare. Okay? He was thinking of he was thinking of a suitable partner okay, for Adam. He actually provided Adam a, a, not just a partner, but really a companion 
to be with him. Now, if we're going to look at okay, the word helper, okay, helper. Helper from the Hebrew word, ezer, yeah. which means one who supplies strength in the area that is lacking in the help. Yeah. So that's its definition, no? It's it from it came from the Hebrew word ezer, and it it tells us from the definition itself that this creation was made, okay, to give strength to areas of weaknesses or to help the other person. Now this term, okay, this term, now we have to we have to really take note of this that. In the Bible, okay, this term tells us or implies that this helper is not someone who is stronger. Okay? Or it doesn't tell us that one of the other is stronger or weaker. Okay? But rather, okay, this person that is created, which is the woman, is actually a complement. Okay? A complement of the man or Adam. And we need to stick and we need to say this out loud because the world will tell us okay everyone's harping about gender equality okay everyone's harping about gender bias but hey hello guys if we're going to read the bible right it from the very beginning okay god designed man and woman equally right so there's no weaker or stronger from the other that's why the next term that we need to look at here is fit for him Fit for him. Well, what does this mean? Okay? What does this mean? Uh, fit for him means like it's the same as matching him. It's not the same as like him. Yeah, so we need to look into that very idea that it's matching him. Have you, whenever you wear your socks, whenever you wear your socks, you, you need to really match your socks with the right pair. Right? So, and, and, and whenever you whenever you're run out of socks, <laughs> it just happens to me sometimes, right? So yeah, when my my other pair of other pair is lost, right, and I wear them, it feels uncomfortable, right? One is thicker, the other is thinner, and when you walk, it it's disturbing, right? But when it's match, everything is incompleteness, and this is what is this verse is trying to tell us. Not about socks, but it's trying to tell us that man and woman are not just like, okay, we're in. The, the woman is a clone okay, of man, but rather what God is telling us is that the man and woman are matching each other. This means that wives, okay, our dear wives, are not our born halves like they're, like they're clones. We have the similar interests or similar needs, but rather our wives are given our blessings from God to compliment us. Right? How many among you agree to that? You better say yes now. Right? You better say yes now. So, love, actually, we have some testimonies regarding this. No? So, back in school, <coughs> so back in school, because we were both working in a school, and when my wife came from Qatar, everyone was actually thanking her. Love, what were they telling you? They were actually approaching her saying, thank you. <laughs> right? Um, when, when I arrived in Bahrain, all the people that uh, I meet, uh, they always tell me, Oh, thank God you're here, finally. <laughs> yeah. You want to know why? Then I, I reply to them, Why? I, now I'm worried. What was he like before I'm here? <laughs> so I remember there was this counselor who approached her and said that, 
we're thank thank you that you are here. You know your husband. You know the next phrase. You know your husband. We're like okay. <laughs> you know your husband is like fire. I mean, maybe being Arabs, no, and being uh, you know English is their second language. I think they ran out of words to really express what they want to say. But the only thing that they said, but your husband is like fire. And when she was telling me that, <laughs> I I don't I won't blame them. Okay, because that's the only perfect thing, per perfect adjective that they need to explain. Because I tend to really get angry back then. Like, even in school. Like, right? Right? My student is it, right? So I really get crazy and angry, and I, yes, I So I really get angry and crazy that even my students created a different persona just to preserve their relationship with me. That whenever I'm angry, they think that it's a different person coming in. And they call that persona Antoine. Just to, you know, preserve Mr. Anthony, the kind, loving teacher. <coughs> right? So, so, yeah. So, they created that persona. So, when my wife came, and this is where the complimenting comes in, right? So, there were changes. Lots of changes. Right? So... It's like self-serving for all examples, right? So, yeah, I don't know, but for example, there was one student of his said, "I cannot recognize you anymore. What did Mimi do to you?" Yeah, so they were really uh, baffled, right? They were really baffled on why are there these changes that are happening. And when we were preparing for this preaching, I can't help but say, "Amen," that this is true, that a wife, okay, really does compliment and changes husbands to the better okay back then i come to church i smell like a cat yeah because yeah, that's true because i have a pet cat at home so uh whenever i go to church okay my shirt i have fashion sense now right so back then my my clothes really smell like cat pee because i sleep with my cat over that's my he's my only best friend back then right so but now really my wife does compliment because yeah, as I've said, I'm a different person with a different sense of fashion. But it's just more than that, okay? With lives are, with the lives shared with our wives, okay, whenever you're in, your, in, your, in that uh, relationship of marriage, okay, it's, when we say compliment, okay, we change each other for the better. And it's not because we change each other because of our different interests, of our different talents, but rather we can only change because in the center of our marriage, is God, right? God is the center, and God created, okay? We have to remember that, that we don't look at the blessing of our wives, but rather we look at the being, the provider that gave our wives. Let's always remember that God created the woman as a perfect companion for man. How many among you are excited to get married? Yes? Yes, right? How many among you are excited to get married? Right? So let's all pray for that. Right? So let's continue. Now. Let's continue. Now let's move on with verse 23. Right? It says here that the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one now let's look at verse 23 first right it says here 
the underlined phrase there is that this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Now, what does this tell us? This sentence points to the fact that marriage, the very beginning of marriage, is that it is God's plan. It is God's design. And in God's design, we have to take note that He created Adam and Eve. Let me repeat that. Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. Right? So it's a marriage between a man and a woman. Nothing more, nothing less. The world will tell us so many things. Right? The world will give us deceit and lies. If we're going to look at TikTok, if we're going to look at the uh, YouTube personalities, the influencers, okay, that tends to really flock in our in our mainstream social media accounts. How many among you have social media accounts? Unless you're living under a rock, right? So we are being fed with lies and deceit of different kinds of definition of marriage. Actually, in 2013, this is actually the transgenderism and same-sex marriage is actually a new idea because it turned into a law back in 2013 or 2015. And this lie has been propagated in Hollywood, in social media, and in entertainment. But looking back at the, 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 the design of God, God okay, created a man for a woman. Okay? God did not create another man for a man, nor a woman for a woman. That is what God's design for marriage is. And more than that, God designed marriage for a man, English, ah, huh? man, and ah, woman. So article ah. So article ah connotes, right, that it is singular. Okay? Meaning one woman, one man, together in marriage. Not one man, multiple women, right? Or one woman, multiple men, right? God designed marriage, right? And again, in the world today, they will feed us with their even words. When we were actually preparing for this preaching, I was just shocked with the play on words that I've been getting. So there are words like, Polyamory. We're like, what? So polyamory, like it's or in in, in, in layman's terms, okay, it means that open marriage, that both men and women sharing that relationship of marriage can is they're both open to having more or having multiple partners. I mean, what craziness is this? Right? So God okay, designed and established. The divine pattern of marriage, okay, between a single woman and a single man. That's the design. And all other things that come after that are basically perversion. Right? It's perversion. It's the world's way, okay, of really disobeying, okay, because of the hardness of their hearts, okay, that they don't want to follow what God instructs us, it is their method, their, their way of really stringing the lies. Okay? It's like wrapping lust. So imagine lust as poop, right? And they're wrapping it okay, 
with a candy coating, chocolate flavored poop. And they're feeding it to you. That's what it is. Okay? It's actually sin, okay? sugar coated, and changed into terms like open marriage and swinging. What God reminds, what, what God wants us wants to remind us this morning is this. Marriage is divine. It is his design. God designed marriage, okay, as a divine pattern for each and every one of us. That it's not, it is exclusively between a man and a woman. Hard truth, right? Are you still here? We're all good? Yes. Right. So the next thing that we need to look into in this, on our first point is this. Okay. In verse 24, right, it says here, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. So God designed marriage as a covenant, right? Covenant with responsibilities. Okay? So when we say covenant, it's a promise. Okay? It's a promise between two people before God. Now husbands, okay? Husbands and wives have certain responsibilities when we get into marriage. The problem here is that due to the lies of the world, due to the deception of this world, okay, we tend to focus on the romanticization of what weddings are. And that's what happened to us, right, love? So back then, we always, when, during our planning, we talk about, um, we talk about videographers. No, we really, videographers. No, we really look into celebrities with wonderful videographers, right? And we actually paid for them already, no? So, yeah. So we also have, uh, sorry, 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 sorry. So we, we also have, we also plan for, uh, I, what do you call those chairs, love? Those wooden chairs? Wooden chairs, yeah, that's what it's. That's what's the, that's what what's our rustic. theme. Was, yeah, rustic. Yeah, that's our theme. Rustic, no, rustic weddings. So we really thank God. We really thank God that that marriage, that wedding didn't push through. And I remember back then when we were being counts. No, we were being advised by our ninongs, which we will hide their names for safety. I'm not here. Actually, it's Kuya Jean and uh, Pastor Ninong Mitch, right? They reminded us that we should actually be. Preparing for the marriage itself and not the wedding, right? So, yeah. So we were actually, we're about to fall into the trap of that, you know, grandeur. But what, what we were truly missing is that in God's design of marriage, okay, that we have to remember that more than the celebrations, more than the romance, okay, more than the sweetness, Okay, that the Hollywood media is feeding us, okay, marriage is a responsibility. There are certain responsibilities, and more than that, it is a covenant, right? So, what are these responsibilities? Later on, my wife will be explaining covenant in part two, right? right? So, more than that, okay, part two. <laughs> That's all, yeah, there's part two. So um, more than more than all the grandeur, it's it's composed of responsibilities. In, in verse 24, it already it's already said here that man shall leave his father and his mother. Does this mean that God is contradicting himself, that we don't honor our parents? No, it's not. But actually, 
that responsibility of honoring parents still exists. However, as we get to be united, okay, united with our wives, right, we have other priorities or focus. And that is the welfare of our dear wives. Right? So we put our wives first before our parents. And we have to look into as well, right? So aside from that, we need to look into as well the word hold fast. And I also underlined there. It's, it's highlighted, hold fast. Now this term in the Bible, if you're going to search your Bibles, so just key in hold fast, okay? You will see that the word, that this phrase of holding fast refers to a covenant of faithfulness. You will see this in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20. Now, it simply connotes that getting into marriage, hard truth, getting into marriage, okay, is not a walk in the park. Yeah, It's not a walk in the park. Okay? Because you're going to basically wake up each morning, okay? Wake up each morning with a person which is completely your opposite. Right? And all these things, all this stuff, weird stuff sometimes, okay? You will not see this in your courtship stage. Because all you, all the only thing that you will get to see, okay, are the the good and pleasant things. But when it comes to the marriage in itself, okay, it's difficult, but it is rewarding. And later on, my wife will tell you why it is rewarding. Okay? So we are called to hold fast. Okay? To hold fast in that particular covenant. Okay? Because our marriage connotes, okay, the, the very nature of marriage is that it unites two separate parts into a whole. This means that the union in marriage was complete okay, with two people and God as the center. Okay? And that completeness is, of course, fully or ultimately expressed okay, in the sexual relationship of husbands and wives. That is why sex is not a, you know, the world will tell us that sex is, we have a different connotation of what it is. Right? You don't? Right. right? We do, right? We do have, right? So when we turn sex, it, we, could, we should turn a blind eye to it, that it is a taboo. But actually, sex was designed by God. Right? Sex was designed by God. And the thing is, sex is sacred. But now, the world will tell us that sex is something that you can buy. That sex is something that will just for the pleasure and not for the fulfillment of what it's truly meant for. Because God designed sex as something that's sacred and that is to unite the husband and wife as one. Right? Now, still on they shall become one flesh. Okay? They shall become... Uh, so, on the next on... The, sorry. Next on they shall become one flesh. Right? In a marriage, as I've said a while ago, man and woman becomes one unit. And that particular oneness is, uh, should I say, finalized in that relationship, okay, and, and of course, in that very center is the sexual relationship. God designed marriage, okay, God designed marriage, not just for the both of the husband and wife to be enjoying each other in pleasure, but rather 
God is in the center of that sacred union. And going to Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 to 6, this same phrase of, of, that is said in Genesis was actually um, highlighted further, emphasized by Jesus. Right? Ready? Capita. Right. Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 to 6. It says here, Therefore, this is Jesus, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Since marriage is a covenant, not just, with, 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 not just between husband and wife, but rather it's covenant with God. And God, and God designed marriage, as I've said a while ago. Okay? Marriage is by God and for God. And with that being said, since it is his creation, no man, no man should separate it. Jesus emphasized that what God created should not be separated by man. Truth be told, hard truth, okay? God hates divorce. That's written in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. I will not soften, I will not euphemize that fact. Because if I do, that will be a great sin to God. God hates divorce. But because of our hardness of our hearts, okay, and that you will also see that in Matthew chapter 19, okay, as you read along, because of the hardness of our hearts, okay, divorce came to be. Right? But the truth, truth be told, marriage is a lifetime commitment. But because of the hardness of our hearts, this law was given. But this law, looking at it, it was never the desire of God. Right? There, if we're going to look for, but you know, biblically, there are reasons for, you know, to make divorce legit. Yes, it's true. We won't deny that fact. Okay? But we need to understand, as followers of Christ, okay, that the very nature of marriage is sacred. It's a sacred covenant with God. There can be reasons. Okay, there could be reasons. Okay, but looking at the ultimate purpose of what marriage is and humbling ourselves to God. Okay, and remembering what he has done to the cross for us. Our only response is to really humble ourselves and obey. And that is, I will leave that to my wife now because she's going to explain point two. Right? Yes. yes. All right. So point two. Right? Now that we have learned that marriage is uh, designed by God, let's learn now uh, the ultimate goal and purpose of marriage, and that is to display the glory of God. In uh, Ephesians 5, 31 to 32, it says there, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Amen. Right. So uh, it says that marriage shall depict a clear picture of Christ and the church. Yeah. Amen. So how does marriage depict Christ and the church? So if we're going to look at that verse from, from Paul, right? So again, he quoted Genesis, right? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. So it's the third time that we, saw, that we heard that, right? So he likened, no? Uh, look at the association that he's trying to create here. He likened okay, marriage okay, as something that's profound. Okay? Profound. 
And that marriage, okay, the kind of relationship shared between a man and a woman, that kind of sacrificial love that a man and a woman okay, refers to only one thing, and that is what? It refers to Christ and the church. Marriage, okay, marriage is a depiction okay, of Christ and the church. That means, okay, what does that mean? That your, our relationships with our husband and wives and your future relationship with your future husbands and your wives is not just for you and you alone to enjoy. And that greater purpose, that ultimate purpose and goal of marriage gives that particular weight okay, on the commitment. That's why it's a lifelong commitment. Right? That ultimately, its purpose really is not for you to enjoy or for you to be pleased or for you to have a complementary or a helping hand, but rather your marriages, our marriages, okay, is a picture of Jesus Christ and the church. Now let's look on to Ephesians 5:25 to 26 to understand it better. And how I need to answer the question of how does the marriage yes. depict Christ and the church? Yeah. Yes. So first, husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So it says in uh, Ephesians 5:25 to 26, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, mm -hmm. right? So husbands are to love their wives sacrificially. Yes, that's right. Yes. So let me just reiterate on this. Actually, when we said a while ago that when we're preparing for this message, we're actually repenting. Like we're multiple times, I think, that we made mention that we're sorry, we're apologizing to each other. Because what God made us realize here is that for a marriage to be a depiction of Christ and the church, husbands and wives okay, have certain roles to fulfill. And this letter from the Ephesians, or what Paul has written, emphasizes on that point, that husbands, the love of a husband to his wife is sacrificial. The same way that Jesus Christ sacrificed for the church. Right? So husbands should love their wives, not lord over their wives. Husbands should not be condescending, and I really repent on this fact, that husbands should not be condescending towards their wives. Because I'm, very, I'm a very sarcastic person. Right? And I, oftentimes I'm condescending. Right? But this verse reminded me of what should be that picture? What should be that image okay, of that love of a husband to a wife? That we ought to love okay, our, our wives through servanthood and sacrifice. Our love for our, our love for our, hus our, our our love for our wives should not keep a record of wrongs. Diba? Our love for our wives, okay should lead them in conformity not to us but to Jesus. We have to take note here though that husbands are not yeah. Christ. Yeah, we have to take note of that. That our husband, no, husbands are not Christ. What does that mean? 
that husbands are not graced. This means uh, our husbands are not are not like Christ. They are not infinite like Christ. They they are limited. Yes, <laughs> they're limited. Uh, that the husbands are are. We have to remember that yes, that though the marriage refers to Christ's love for the church, we have to remember that our partners are imperfect. They're also imperfect in a sense that they're still under sanctification. Right? That they're also transforming day by day. Right? And that will give us a bit of grace okay, to our partners. Right? So we have to remember that as husbands, our goal, okay, our role okay, in our marriages is to really sanctify our wives and lead them to Christ and not just to us. Right? So wives, the roles of the wives this time. Yeah. So wives are called to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. It says in Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and, his, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Wives are called to submit to their husbands, not to all men. So let's emphasize that no, in this verse. That what it says is that wives are called to submit. Yes, that's true. Okay? But the greater thing that we need to emphasize here is to whom? Right? They submit to their husbands and not to, ev to all men out there. And that's where God really... It's just amazing on how He designed it. Right? That the world is talking about... Okay, gender equality, the world is talking about women empowerment, but right in the very beginning, in the midst of creation, God has already empowered both men and women, and wives are called to submit to their husbands and not to all men, which connotes that both genders are equally created okay, in God's wonderful image. Not, there's no unfairness okay, in both genders. Now, the submission here that we're talking about, it has to be done. It has, it's a role of the wife. Why? To keep the, healthy, the health of the marriage or the relationship itself. Now, what's the, what does the wife, or as the wife submits to her husband, what is her goal? Now, if, if, the, if the husband's goal a while ago is to lead, uh, lead their wives to their sanctification, what is the goal of the wife? Right? The wives seek uh, the transformation of their husbands while respecting him as her head, leader, protector, and provider. Um, in Christ's relationship with the church, he is clearly seeking the transformation of his bride into something morally and spiritually beautiful. He is seeking at the cost of his life. For example, as wives... As wives seek the transformation of their husband, for example... Um, how does uh, the the church um, communicates to Christ? Is it by, uh, for example, we pray, right? So, for example, for wives in communicating to their husband, they do not they they submit, but they do not ask like impose to the husband to change, right? So they ask for the situation to change, not the person to change. And through that, transformation happens. Right. So 
we husbands are transformed. Now, what, what my wife's trying to say is that wives, their goal in the marriage is for, for their husband, they're seeking that transformation, that sanctification of their husbands as well. So wives seek the transformation of their husbands while respecting him as, one, the head of the marriage, two, as the leader of the marriage, three, as the protector, and as the provider. Now, in the same relationship of the church and Christ as the church, but when we wanted something in the church, when we pray for something in the church, we earnestly, we humble down ourselves and seek that from the Lord. That same humility is what is exhibited by wives, right? And they do that, okay? They do that not because they're weaker, but they're doing that to really embody the role that is given to them, okay, in that particular marriage. Now, in the same manner, okay, when we look at the roles of husbands and wives, so we see a husband that is self-sacrificing, we see a wife that is humble and submitting. Now, these two things are difficult to do. Do you agree? Can you easily sacrifice your time and you sacrifice the things that you want for somebody else? Ask yourselves that. You can't. Can you simply give up your hobbies? <laughs> hobbies? You simply give up your collection, your hobbies, the things that you're interested in, your time with your friends, your your barcada, your burks, your, your acquaintances? Can you simply give up your, your, your shoe game, right? For, for somebody else, it's, it's really difficult. The same manner with women, okay? It's, it's, can you easily give up what, the things that you're fighting for as women? Can you give up your interests? Okay, can you give up your dreams? Your ambition? Okay, for a marriage to succeed, right? So it's really difficult, okay? But what God is telling us is this, okay? That marriage in itself is more than what we want. It's more than our interest. It's more than catering for our well-being alone. Because right at the very heart of what marriage is, okay, is a picture of Jesus sacrificing Jesus sacrificed on the cross for us. And with that as a picture of sacrifice and understanding what God truly did on the cross for us, okay, we are slowly transformed. That's why it's important for each, every, each individual that is planning for marriage to have, that, to have that experience of the delight, of that particular delight and joy in that relationship with Christ. Because imagine, if you're going to commit okay, into a lifetime relationship and you haven't really experienced the true delight and joy that Jesus done for us in the cross, it would be a horrific and terrible decision that you might even end up regretting. So what we're being reminded of is that that as marriage is a wedding, uh, sorry, marriage is a depiction, rather. Marriage is a depiction of church and Christ. These individuals that partake that wedding, at the very center of it, that they're being slowly transformed as they live in unity. Right? So that leads us to our second point, right? Or, sorry, to, to our conclusion for this point, 
that given these roles of husband and wives, marriage is a picture of what? God's sanctifying love for the church. And this ultimately makes marriage, okay, an absolute example of love being incarnational. Oh, love being, that's last week, right? Review, right? So last week we learned that love is significant, that love is countercultural, love is incarnational. Those three, okay, the, the epitome or the perfect example of that kind of real love is found in a real marriage, right? Love, you can continue. Next, under that is marriage is meant to display God's grace, right? We have to remind it that marriage is composed of two people who are forgiven, justified, and made righteous by Christ. Having experienced God's grace, we ought to bend and let that grace also flow vert, uh, horizontally to our spouses, right? The same grace that we experience from God should be also shown to our spouses. So, what's being said there is that as we experience Christ vertically, right? Vertically, no, we receive, we, we confess of our sins, we surrender ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That same mercy, that same compassion and grace that Jesus Christ gave to us freely as he died on the cross for us, should be bent horizontally to our spouses. Now imagine a life that you haven't surrendered and you haven't enjoyed that delight between you and the Lord and spending your lifetime with your loved one or your spouse. It would be a lifetime of misery. Okay, because what marriage truly is, is that it's a pointer. It's like a compass that shows and points to the glory of Jesus Christ. Right? Human marriage... You know, human marriage is temporary. Yeah, human marriage is temporary. It, is not, it will not last forever. Right? It will not last forever. Okay? Yes, it is there for us to enjoy in our lifetime. Okay? And this may actually come as a shock to you, right? That, you're, that soon your marriages will end. As somebody dies, one of you dies and goes to heaven, hopefully, right? So the marriages that we share, they're temporary. No matter how blissful our marriages are, uh, it is finite and temporary. It says in Matthew 22, verse 30. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Right. So, it, in Matthew, okay, it, we're given an image, okay, that our marriages are only up till here in this world. But because in heaven, we don't need, we don't, ha we don't need the need. We don't feel that inadequacy. We don't feel... We, do, we will never feel that need for somebody to complete us. Why? Because we will experience true completeness and true delight in the presence of our God. Now, as we end, okay, it is, we, we wanted to really show you this quote okay, from Lisa Chan. 
right? So when we're still courting each other, this is one of the books that we really read, no, to for us to be guided as we head to our marriage, right? It says here, the way we love our spouses should make the love of Christ believable and true. Wouldn't it be incredible that your marriage drew someone into a relationship with Christ? People need to see God in you as you love your spouse. The world desperately needs to see an accurate reflection of Christ and the church in our marriages because this is about God's glory. If we're thinking right now, as you're, you know, planning to get married, you're maybe you're waiting for that right person okay, to come along, right? Or maybe you're experiencing trauma from past relationships that you have seen in your families, right? If you're living on that particular confusion or deception that marriages is just about consummation of each other in sex, as what TV shows, as the internet would feed us, we have to remember that our marriages have its ultimate purpose. We have to remember that marriage, our marriages is meant or designed by God to put that gospel into reality and display it to the world. That's the very reason why we're married. That is why we should dream of being married. That our marriages are not just meant for us for self-consumption, but rather our marriages is a picture of how God, how Jesus sacrificially loved us, the church. We have to remember that marriage is designed by God for the ultimate purpose of His glory. Yes, marriage is temporary. It will only last for a person's lifetime. But it is said in the Bible that in whatever we do, we glorify God. And that includes our marriages. Perhaps some of us here are really broken, downtrodden, traumatized. Okay? Perhaps we're having that difficulty to release forgiveness or even just to recognize our pride. We would, we would really want to pray for you. And we are reminded this morning that if it's difficult for us to forgive and our only recourse is really that dead end okay, of divorce, let's always remember this. But we cannot underestimate the transforming power of God through the gospel. That we cannot, no matter how painful, no matter how hurtful, no matter what words were said or actions done or sins committed, we can never underestimate how the power of the Word of God can change the hearts of men. Let, it, let, us, let us pray for you. Lord, we just want to lift this church, Lord. Lord, we just want to thank you for reminding us that you have designed marriage not for us alone, but for your glory. Lord, I just want to lift to you this church, Lord. As we are 
faithful as we follow you, Lord. We pray that we will make us more sensitive, Lord Jesus, on the power of your truth, that it's a double-edged sword. Lord, let it cut us deeply. Break us, Lord. Humble us, Lord, that we may be able to receive your healing. Lord, we pray for families, husbands, and wives in this church, Lord, that has experienced hurt, pain. Has experienced betrayal, treachery, abuse. Lord, we pray that you get to heal them, Lord Jesus. You have said in your word, Lord, that they're close to the brokenhearted. Lord, we pray that you heal their hearts. As you heal their hearts, Lord, break them and humble them, Lord. That they may come to see, that they experience, Lord Jesus, that wonderful love, grace, and forgiveness that you have for them. That they may be able to release forgiveness as well. As they humble themselves, as they read out of their pride, Lord, that they will be able to release forgiveness and love to those who have hurt, abused, and betrayed them. Lord, we pray for each and every single person in this church. We pray, Lord, that you will wash away, Lord, by your blood, the lies of the enemy that you've placed in their hearts. Lord, we pray that the lustful desires in their hearts, Lord, will be sanctified by your blood as they get to experience true joy in you. Lord, we pray, as you've said in your word, Lord, that there's a time for everything. We pray, Lord, that they will be able to maximize their singlehood in finding and really experiencing the true joy in you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that for all those single women and men in this church, Lord, that they will have that full satisfaction in you as they dream of the next phase in their lives, and that is marriage. Lord, we also pray for husbands and wives in this church. Lord, we pray that our relationships will be more than um, for us to enjoy, for us to be pleased on, but rather, Lord, each and every waking moment is not a time for us to choose our wives or our husbands for us to continue, for us to survive and endure, but rather every single waking moment of our lives is a decision to glorify you. Use us, Lord Jesus, all the husbands and wives here in this church to be your avenues, to be your conduits of your mercy and your compassion. That as we honor you, Lord Jesus, we can magnify your gospel and share and proclaim your gospel, Lord, to those people who are in dire need of it. Lord, we just want to thank you for this morning that you get to remind us in these two weeks, Lord, that you get to remind us of what true love is. That love, in its very foremost definition, is love, is humble, 
it's sacrificial love is exemplified on the cross when you died for us lord may me may our hearts be transformed by the power of the holy spirit may the holy spirit guide us to live a life that is pleasing to you and after your desire and wash us and give us that sensitivity lord to see areas in our lives that we need to surrender on you lord we just want to thank you for this time and this morning this we ask in your mighty name amen now let's all stand up for the benediction may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace amen right so thank you everyone um we would like to invite you know if your husbands and wives we would like to invite you for the Alpha Marriage course that G was actually talking about a while ago. So this Alpha Marriage course will be seven weeks and it will start August 1. So if you're interested, you know, if you want to get to really live out that marriage, it's just more than what you and your wives or your spouses have, please do register and approach Kuya Mitch who's standing here, right, and ask about it. Thank you, everyone. We're now dismissed.